1: For 20% off your first system.
2: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Tonaries podcast. I'm your host, James, and I'm joined as always by my good friend, Timmy Long. Hi, everyone. Sean is on the old production. Hi, Sean. Padrick is on the coach. Hi, Padraig? And Gary Skyner is our guest today. Hi, Gary.
3: Hello, everyone. That is a wave, by the way. Because
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you're a thalidomide survivor, and you're from Liverpool. Yes. So tell us what is thalidomide.
3: Thalidomide surprisingly most people under the age of 40 don't, don't seem to know about it including medics. Um thalidomide was a drug that was administered back in 1959 60 61 and 62 and was taken off the market in August 63 when it was um proven to be causing Mass deformities in newborn babies. It was prescribed to expectant women for morning sickness, mm. and nobody had a clue um, that this drug was doing this, you know. Um, anyway, it became apparent that it was the culprit, and they immediately pulled it off the shelves.
1: Mm.
3: And um, after 10,000 babies worldwide had died, and in the UK, there was five hundred and five who was born, made the journey. That figure now stands at four hundred and one from five hundred five. Some of them have been natural suicides. Some have been suicides by over in, indulging in alcohol, mm. uh, illicit drugs, um, and the others have been like sadly the likes of hanging or throwing themselves mm. off a bridge or a tall building or whatever. And unless you suffer from it, it's 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 weird. It's because I go to if I go to Florida, if I go to Disney World, while I'm there, I'm a bigger attraction than Mickey
1: Mouse
3: mm. because the kids are all like,
1: "Yeah,
3: he's going on." Hey, how are you doing? And I go, "Never mind you. What's happened to him?" You know, mm. and it's them glares and stares. Doesn't affect me. affecting me more more than me. Affects my girlfriend more than me. Uh, for me, like I'm used to it, you know. I've had sixty years of sixty three years of people going. Mm. Proper gawking. Not just like the odd. You know, proper like yeah, uh, up and down. How
4: was that how how was it growing up in school? You know, kids can they're not aware of, of, of their motes and what they say as a young age, you know. How how was that for you? How was it was it a difficult experience?
3: It's All kinds of names, Spaz, short arms, I would just wipe your uh, arse, Skippy, the bush kangaroo, because my arms were up here. Uh, And I used to just go, and that was it, you know. I'd kick them up the arse to school bully. Yeah. I'd get a a good kicking from me and I'd get battered. I mean, I must have gone through three pairs of pants a week Mm. getting dragged down the playground, but my ma always said, you know, you've got a good head. You've got to go pay the legs, give as good as you get. Mm. And so I didn't get pampered from that point of view. But psychologically, it hates. Of mm. course, it hates, you know.
4: And how did you deal with it psychologically back then? And how were you dealing with it?
3: I thought I dealt with it really well
4: mm.
3: until um, 2011, when for some reason or I just a number of things happened on one particular day and I can't even put into words what it was like there wasn't much work in the diary me and my ex-wife were, were battling like mad the kids were at me on they were on my case there was about six or seven things happened on this particular day and I drove out the house and I went to Morrison's which is a, a big superstore in England and I just bought 40 paracetamol, took them in the car and took the overdose on the beach. And the police were looking for us and all that. And that was the first time, out when when I had to go and see my doctor after I was released by the psychiatrist, he said to me, Cookie said, <laughs> excuse me, I'm dying of cold, man flu. Um, Dr Cook who's known me, like, most of me life, you know what I mean? And he went, are you know, we all right like, saying the exact words on here, yeah? Yeah. and say
2: what you want?
3: And he went, you, fucking get in here. And I said, what? And he went, fucking get in here now. So when he got me medical records and he threw them on the fucking desk and he went, what the fuck's that? And he went, what being admitted for an overdose. You, the most positive person I fucking know, you. And he, he realised then, you know, he must have thought, fucking hell, I'm to, I don't want to add to his, yeah. his grief. Mm-hmm. And he just said to me, "Daddy, um, honest, if I was a better man, the last person in this surgery I look after thinking they were taking overdose would be you. And that's why it's a massive shock. So I said, so why? So he said, What are you like a boxer? He said, you've gone for the last... 53 years of getting bang, 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 bang and jumping up off the canvas. And every one of them has took its toll. And on this particular day, a number of them have gone. Yeah. And it's been too much. You, you couldn't get off the floor, and that was it. And I thought that was a great way of summing it up.
2: Yeah. Drawing you, know when, do you know when you were younger in Liverpool, obviously... Famous for football, among other things, <coughs> were you able to participate in sports? The were you able to participate in sports when you were a young lad?
3: Mad on football, mad, mad Liverpool fan. Um, become great friends with the late great Bill Shentley. He Was uh, in fact, I I, 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 run my own street team when I was of uh, fourteen, and I picked a, a paper called the Catholic Pictorial done a feature on me, a kid of 14 running his own school team, his street team, mm. the school kid team, and Bill Tenkley, she was doing a story on him. So she said, what do you do for the strip? So I said, well, we all bring our own socks and shorts, but we've got a set of amber shirts. So we'd have been Liverpool and Everton. Half the lads had turned up with white socks and white shorts and after the lads had turned up with red socks and red shorts and we'd all have an amber shirt on, the same shirt. Mm. So she told Shanks, and the day before we played Stoke City in 1972, that it was the game the day after the Corbin Banks lost his eye in a car crash. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I remember it really, really well, you know. And I thought she was just going to the ground for tickets. And I'm sitting in the car, as she got out, she went, come on. I went, what? This is like 11 o'clock on a Saturday. Come on. And I remember what do you mean, come on? she went, come in with me and I went, all right. She doesn't want me sitting in the car on my home. Mm. I went and he come down the stairs. Hello, son. You must be Gary. Hello. How are you, son? You're on your own team. Uh, <laughs> I took us into this like fucking mortuary and I had like fucking cabinet, big grey cabinets with all like heated fucking rollers inside them and all the strips were all folded fucking grey. You know, not like now where they're all hung up on the fucking thing. 'Cause nobody had names on the back of the chair Yeah. and he went, "Right, son, let me see what I can do for you here." And he went, One, two, three, four. 18, 18 shirts, eighteen shorts, eighteen pairs of socks." He says, "And take them well, son. They're fucking big bin bag. <laughs> Put them in the bin bag." And I was like, "Fucking hell, is this happening to me? You know, fourteen-year-old kid." So we all had our fucking sleeves rolled up. We're like, some of the lads, big lads. I've always been a big lad, fat cum, a fat bastard now. <clears throat> And um, But it was amazing to get that. And then Mm. I I spent most of my life in Alderay Hospital in Liverpool, having operations on my fingers for them to be separated. And Mm. I've got plastic uh, radius in both arms. And across the road, Eaton Road was where... So you've got like Alderay Hospital here, Eaton Road's the main road. And if you go like half a mile, Everton's training ground is there. So, right in front of Everton's training ground is Bill Shankly's house. He actually backs on. If you climbed over his wall, Mm. his back garden wall, you'd be in Belfield and Everton's old training ground, you know. And I've gone in. My main first job as a kid, used to go in the cake shop. And they are women and say, here he is now. And I'm always laughing and joking with the women, you know. Uh, Four jelly creams, two sausages, all those. Custard cream and all that. And then this album. woman was stood there and she went to her, this is one of your bills, mob. To me, uh, to her. And I, I went "Say who is she? And he went, who is she? I went, who is she? I said, that's Mrs Shankly. I <laughs> said, oh, I said, I said, your husband has done me the biggest favour, you know. Oh, she said, you must come up the house and have a cup of tea. <laughs> And, and two days later, I've gone up the house at dinner time. She brought me a sausage roll, a cup of tea. I mean, fucking Shankly's house, and you could smell the soap upstairs. And he come down the stairs. He'd left Liverpool. Is he tired? Yeah. At the period, he had a pair of red bottoms on with a white stripe and a white string vest. And he went, "Hello, son. I hope you're keeping that good son, washing it regular." <laughs> and I'm like, "Fuck in hell." Not like this man's a fucking god, isn't he? And I'm I'm sitting in his house, you know. So
0: yeah,
3: and I I've, I've, I loved football. I was a, I was a very good footballer. I played out in Spain and Germany and France, uh, Italy uh, for Unity Boys Club, uh, and and I'm, am I'm, I'm passed my coaching badge, uh, qualified class one referee. And um, I, I am still to date the most successful amateur football manager in Liverpool Sunday League history. Where? The the Business House League has got six divisions. So, five and four play for the minor cup. Three and two play for the junior cup. And one and premiership play for the senior cup, you know, for the premier cup, senior Mm. cup, it was called. Now, no team since the league started in 1924, I think it was, has ever won them three trophies. So like Merseyside Police, who had a team, didn't win it in 1988 and then win it again in 92. Or, you know, the, the Junior Cup in 92 and then win the Senior Cup five years later. Nobody's ever done that, mm. but I didn't just do that. I got, I won the fucking three of them in succession, mm. you know? Yeah. So three years on the run, because we got promoted, you know, we battered, battered everyone in the fifth division. So he moved us up a division, cause it was a fucking waste of time. Yeah, yeah. You know, so he put us into the third division. We fucking batted everyone in the fucking third division, second division, Uh, for the cup. And then they put us in the first division, and then we won the fucking cup against we were in the first division when we won the senior cup, if you know what I mean. Mm. And um, it was like being the talk of the town. You know, people saying who the fuck it? You know, I mean, you wouldn't think he'd be able to fucking do much. I put the goals up myself, you know, I'd fucking name. Um, I'd be there slotting them up on the grass. I'd have them all set up so when the lads come, they just pick them up and
2: yeah, yeah. stuff
3: them in the ground and all
2: that. What was it like then? Uh, so sport is a big part of your life. What was it like being a teenager growing up with girls and uh <clears> socialising <throat> and stuff like
3: that?
2: Was it difficult? What what was it like for you when you were a teenager with girls, you know, when you're in the dating scene and stuff like that?
3: A funny story about that, about girls You me. Mate Jimmy used to do all the doors and not this. And um we'd go and we go on the air and then go to town, go to a club. And um this delivered my girl. Massive pair of tits on. Her. Yeah. <laughs> and a fucking mate was like fucking look gorgeous, you know. So we went say, I oh, fucking get her up with the big tits. I went, fuck off, I'm not getting her up. Why is this fucking size of her arms? And he went, you for fucking Neil. I went, fuck off. You get it up. I get a fucking mate up. So, but we, we don't reckon we know. I've had like twenty nine relationships. Um, some of them mm. outside of my little affairs, but uh, it's documented in the book anyway, and, and an affair that I had there. Um. You know, I wished it had worked out better. did yeah. It did. Um, but I've never... I think if you got the gift of the gab... Yeah. Uh, you, you can look like fucking Quasimodo, you know. Yeah. You still get a shark. You can still get...
2: You still have the bit of charisma. Uh,
3: yeah.
4: Yeah.
3: I think if you've got that, How many fucking muscle mutts are out there who can't put two words together? I know. Who, you know, think they, the idea of a bird's nice house is to go for the fucking walk or sit in the house and, you know, do you want someone who's got a little bit of vision? Mm. A little bit of... And if they can get over this, the way I look, you know. Yeah. I used to make jokes about it you know, and all that. I used to, have to sit in the pub there one night and I said to her, are you embarrassed about going out with me? And she said, and this is a joke, like, I said, aren't you embarrassed going out with me? She said, not really, she said... The only thing that upsets me is everyone knows who puts it in.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, but what were you doing then for uh, for money? Like, were you working? What kind of jobs did you have?
3: Fucking hell. I've had about 16 jobs since I left school. I've been, um, my first job was, uh, I worked at Alderay Hospital on the switchboard. As I said, that's how we met Mrs Shankley. And then I went from there to join the fire brigade. Not Uh, on the switchboard. Then I left there and I went to um, City Council, their main switchboard. And then I moved from there and I I went on security on a a big building, government building. I say security, walking around checking everything's okay. Logging stuff. And then I worked for the messenger service and I was just a fucking, these jobs for people who can't fucking do anything. You know what I mean? I went, fuck this, I've got to get out of this. Not challenging enough, you, you like. No, you know. I mean, mate, on a day, night, the I used to do, this my mate used to help me with the records, his dad had a welding firm. And he said, you could weld? I went, don't talk to you fucking ass. How can I weld? And he went, me dad'll get all the gear adapted for you. said, fuck off. And uh, we did, we got all the gear adapted and, mm. And I ended up getting overcome with fumes in Olivet in Anglesey. And I, again, I went for the chest x-rays and everything. And my doctor said, Fucking hell, what job are you Are you smoking now? I said, never touched a cigarette in my life. And he said, Well, your chest you with the chest of a fucking 90-year-old man, why? I said, Cause I'm welding. And he went, You, you how the fucking you weld? <laughs> but this fella used to knock from BOC you all know, the oxygen place. He'd knock at 11 o'clock at night with, like, fucking crutches. And he'd put, like, a fucking set of pliers on the end of the crutch and run the welding lead right through the center of the crutch and keep the handle on the crutch like that. And I went to him. I said, number one, I said, have you ever fucking welded yourself? And he went, no. I said, well, it's like writing with a pen. I said, you try and put an extension on a pen and write legibly. You couldn't.
1: Can't." Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: You got to be like close up and feel the pen, you know. Mm. So you got to feel the weld. I said, and secondly, I look like fucking Robocop. I was like, I had fucking leads all over me and everything. Yeah. So anyway, because of me, we had to leave that. and then I worked for social services, and I st- because I've got a clinical background, obviously, I started. I had, we all had six people with learning difficulties to look after. And so there were six of us, and all six of us had five or six people to look after. And I'm finding myself now, they'd come in and go, I've heard the police have been to the house, the bailiff's been. i am going, yeah, I'll give us in. And I'd, fucking, I'd be on the phone all day, sorting the problems out. Next thing I'd be suited and booted, and I'd be going down the magistrate's course and putting their case for them. In the meantime, all my colleagues are all jumping on fucking bus trips going to Chester Zoo and all that. And I've got this fucking caseload like that. Mm. And I'm I'm in the Magistrates Court and in the Crown Court and the Council course. So I thought fuck this, I'm, i I may as well get a solicitor's firm in to take over, you know. So I got the solicitor's firm in the girl who come in. Said you who's done these files? I said, Me. So she went. You could earn a fortune for the lawyer. She said, Why don't you take it up? And I went, fuck off. And she went, No. She said, It's brilliant the way you've set it all out and everything else. So next thing is i fucking i wrote to like fourteen firms out the um, yellow pages. And every one of them offered me a job with T V. No one said mm-hmm. like him because he used to get green form legal advice, which was worth 92 pounds each claim. So if you come through my door, and you were on benefits, I could get ninety-two pound times three, for you and for you. Nice. Mm-hmm. Right? So I was like king of the green farms, <laughs> you know. And uh, so then I would the firms fucking had on me, because everyone fucking knew me because of the of the stand-up comedy, of the way you looked, the football. So
2: when did you get into comedy? Was that always a thing, like with the job was having a bit of wit? Like obviously you always had a bit of wit, but when did you actually start doing stand up?
3: (coughs) 86. Went on an the two by Peter. And I used to be I could carry maybe seven or eight bottles on a tray. Ale. I'd go come back and then I'd keep the ball up on my fucking knees and all on the beats. And we'd be sitting on the beds and everyone around will come up and have a laugh with us, with all the lads, you know. And I've gone to get the ale, and this fella's sat with... Well, I said, Does he do that professionally? I said, no, he's just a fucking knobhead, you know. So he said, he's fucking wasting his time, you know. So when I've come back to the company, they've said, "Do you want us to put you on stage in Liverpool, and he set it up. I did this uh, United Services Club, fucking. Hell. You know, like not knowing how it goes properly. Mm. So you've got like a age group mixed, female and male, and I've gone in and I've just done what I fucking do in the pub. And like all the old ones got up and fucked off and you know, yeah. swearing and all that. And then I come off I was really down over it, you know, mm. it went. Anyway, this mate of mine, Eddie, he said to me, Look, you've got it. We've got to tailor it. You know, you've got to understand the sources for courses. Mm. And you can't just go in, fuck this, fuck that. You know, when there's elderly people in Chester Water, mm. you know, start off nice and then turn nasty, you know. So, and it, it, it's, it's been, it's aimed me a fortune. I've been going since. Eighty six, then it did the Jonathan Nuss show. Mm. Everything went th- through the roof.
4: Yeah. Um. That when was that? Did I watched the video clip. When was the Jonathan Russell? What was it called again? What was the name of the show? The
3: big big talent show. Big big, big big talent, talent show. Yeah. Ninety seven. Ninety seven. Yeah, and he was great. He was. He was. Honest to God, I don't know what. Some people like him. Some people don't. I think
4: he's great. Yes. Me too. Mm.
2: Yeah, they he's like a bit him. Bit of a character. character. Yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. But in the morning we went. We went down on the train, and my youngest, Holly, was six. And she's like, I'm going on the telly, I'm going on the telly. And I was like, fucking, this is great, you know. So ITV picked us up in the car, took us to the Midland Hotel in in London, told us, you know, tomorrow morning you get picked up at eight and give us the itinerary for the day. (laughs) So I'm thinking, fucking hell, everything's great now. It's just down to me, you know. So we get to the studios, fucking like this place, you know. I kind of can there there, wires, far bigger, you know, scale. People running everywhere, fucking busy, big flashlights. And I rolled, he come over and said, Dad, I can't do this. I'm not going. I went, Oh, don't fucking say this, you know, You know. Mm. And she went, I'm not going on. And so, on. anyway, he walks in, around about the same time, pair of jeans on, fucking Aaron Jumper. What oh, girl? How are you? I went, some what are you? I heard a lot about it. He said, hey, are you looking forward to it. I said, Well, I fucking was till five minutes ago. So my daughter pulled out and he went, oh, four. I went, she's terrified. Where's she? I went, there. What's her name? I went, Holly. He went, Holly, here. Do you know me? She went, you're Jonathan. I went, yeah. He said, can you draw as good as me? And she went, I Don't know. And he went, right, stop. Everyone stop. Get some felt tips and bits of paper. And me and Ollie are going to have a competition. And he took it in his fucking dressing room. And they brought up the girls, you know, the set girls. Set of fucking coloured felt tips. They've shut the door. Well, it must have been about 15 minutes later. So they've come out. Why? Right, everyone stop. Well, I two pieces of paper, he went. Right? right, that's my yacht. And that's Ollie's yacht, which is the best yacht. And they have all gone, oh, Jonathan, yours is crap. And she's gone, mm, see? <laughs> and, I, and he went, you know, it's a shame you don't want to be with me tonight. She went, no, no, I'll do it now. <laughs> and I said to him, you're a fucking genius. He had just a, so, a bit of
4: crack there. Yeah. Genius.
3: He yeah. said, oh, I've got three girls myself. Yeah. He said, I fucking love kids. I don't know how to deal with it. yeah I said, "Fucking hell, John! That was brilliant, know.
2: Yeah, was that your first time uh, performing your comedy set on a uh, TV?
3: <laughs> uh, in a in a comedy setting yeah, Because all I've had is people shooting the camera, influencing about the disability angle. Yeah. This was all about your talent. Yeah, the talent, not about is it's bad. Is a disabled lad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It tells jokes. This is about... This is a fella. Fucking doesn't matter what's wrong with him. Yeah. This is what he does. And if
2: you're not funny, they are not going to have your hand, like...
3: Yeah, and he's good at it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, uh, you know, it was an experience. A fella rang me the following day, a Jewish fella. give me his card when I went to... He went, I want to speak to you tomorrow. So I'm getting all fucking excited, thinking, wow, you know, London management and all that. And when he rang me, he went to... You've got to be one of the funniest men I've ever met in my life. And I went, oh, fucking hell. And I think, come on, talk fucking telephone numbers now, you know. And he went, but you'll never go on a telly uh, as long as you've got a hole in your ass. And I went, why? Fucking deflated, you know. Why? And he said, because these producers, look, you're a young producer. You've got a six foot good looking fella. White teeth, nothing wrong with him. Goes out there, does a semi good job, and nobody causes any problems. You got you, short arms, you know, overweight, blah, blah, blah. You go out there and you fuck up. Right. He's the biggest bastard under the sun. He exploited you, he used you for your disability. Mm. That's what some people will say. Mm. Or take it the other way. You go out there and you fucking store me and you become a household name. But he's not guaranteed that that's going to happen. Yeah. So who does he pick? He picks the six foot, white teeth, no problems. Safe really. best. Yeah. Mm. See, gives himself an easy life. And he, it's what we would all do. Mm. That's not... That's a mental to me. That's someone in the business... Mm making sure he's got a job next week, mm. the week after. Yeah. But it's sad that's the way life is, you know what I mean? Yeah, I
4: know. But that's, that is that is sure business in general, isn't it? It's it's cutthroat as business itself. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, and it can be cruel too, particularly when you're putting yourself in the limelight yeah. and you're putting yourself out there. Around this period of uh, your life, going on the telly and stuff, how how, how were you feeling on, on a personal level? Like, 'cause you're really putting yourself out there now for the public, to make their comments about you and your appearance and about your disability. How how was how was that approach? How did it how did it go for you?
3: Um. Just just give me that another way, mate. I'm trying to make. So,
4: for example, right. Yeah. So you're on the telly. Yeah. For the first time, now everybody sees you on the comedy act. You know what kind of feedback did you get? I know there wasn't much social media back then. Was the was the feedback from the newspapers? Was it positive? Was it good? Nothing. Nothing.
3: Absolutely fuck all. Nothing. Other than they had a gig in Scarborough the following Monday, and I got out the car to ask for directions. No fucking sat navs in 1997. And about ten people went. Oh, you were on that, John. And I went, "How oh, How do we get there?" You know. Yeah, yeah. And um, but there was now if we were living in this day and age now, you'd be on fucking GMCV the next day. Mm. The Slender lad who was on. Mm.
4: Matched it yeah. yeah.
3: And you know, and you because of like little Jack, you know, I remember him in the flame, the little kid in the flame on BGC. You know, and promote, promote, promote disability, mm. positive promotion of disability. You know, mm. uh, and and when you were actually good at it, I reckon i would have been we might have been having this chat in my fucking pool in Florida. And like, <laughs> I might have flew you fucking you know? over. Yeah. yeah, was there ever
2: any um, compensation for t- mate survivors from the government?
3: Compensation.
2: Yeah, like, did you ever get out? Was there any accountability? Like, was there any, like, inquests? Um, was there anything like that?
3: <coughs> well, where I'm sat, the country I'm sat in, I've got to be very careful how I answer that. Yeah. Because it still is with the actual company that that in, brought the drug in from Germany, from the drug company Grunerthal. And in 1986, then a lot of people who live in Ireland will remember it. There was the, the Guinness fraud trial, okay? And Ernest Saunders, who was their chairman at the time, was in prison for four years, five years for inside the deal, along with three of his colleagues. But for some reason or other, the takeover still took place. So Guinness and Distillers merged. And then they merged again with Grand Metropolitan, who do the luggage. And uh, and then they merged again with Maui and Chandon, you know, the champagne. Mm-hmm. And they gave themselves this fucking highfalutin name called Diageo. Diageo, you know, yeah. Diageo PLC. Guinness could have just fucking walked away from us. No question about that. Could have just said, you know what, it's got fuck all to do with us, forget it. But well, if I'm bluntly honest, um they attempted to do that. So I threaten them with blackmail. I had to get involved with footballers like Mike Lowen, Prince Nazi Ahmed. Um I had to threaten a worldwide boycott of Guinness's products. Uh, and he I bought one share. In Guinness. And he used to to invite me to their annual general meeting in London. And he'd fucking patronisingly give me a little miniature bottle of fucking Johnny Walker Walker'd label, my favourite drink, Mm -hmm. you know. And then he'd lead me to me position A, drink me a cup of coffee with a saucer. And then when it was my turn to stand up and talk, I'd say, Mr Chairman, oh, Mr Skyner, yes, I'm going to take this company down, sir. You know
2: so, was Guinness in bed with the company that created the medication?
3: No, the Guinness took over distillers okay in 86. But the four Guinness directors were imprisoned for the ins. I haven't got a clue about insider dealing, yeah. Somehow they created the, the share price, yeah, to make it look less attractive. So that Guinness can move in and get it.
1: Yeah.
3: And he did. And so, once Guinness done that, not just a black drink, now Guinness own of. Uh...
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot.
2: The champagne Ailey's
3: Moe uh, uh, and Sandal, uh Gordon's Gin, you name it, everything behind the bar, wherever you go, they had your own. Right, and but they had to acquire distillers. And they've just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. They've turned over probably between four point eight and ten billion a year. Mm-hmm. Even during COVID.
2: They recently put the price of the pint of Guinness up as well. Uh, yeah. by $0.14 cent or something. You see, in
3: 1999 when I wrote to what was Guinness that a fella called Sir Anthony Green, who was their chairman told me to fuck off, basically.
4: So was anybody ever held responsible for, for what happened to you and thousands of other
3: people? Never. Legally, never. Never? Never legally, no. But how did they actually get
4: away with putting... Uh, a medication like that on the market, and was it was it actually was were there was there research and and tests done to say that this medication was the the cause to your your um well, disabilities?
3: It's never been proven. That the money that they still has paid that it was honest to God a it was it was a fucking genial move. And, and he, are we all right for time? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you're two parents of of two kids who've just been born now with deformities like me. So now you're thinking, fucking you know, hell, schooling, all that. Clothes, what do we do? People skitting them, all that. And as the years have gone by, the parents have set up an action group, they've gone to lawyers. What do we do now? Blah blah blah. The problem with with this to solid was it didn't damage me. It it didn't damage me. Mum, who was the consumer,
4: hmm. she
3: consumed it. Didn't do it any fucking harm.
4: And was had you more siblings after yourself? And yeah, they were all perfect. Because so she wasn't on them meds.
3: There was no legal peg to hang it at on. If you took that drug and it damaged you, you've got a legal peg.
4: Mm.
3: If you take that drug and you're carrying another human being, there was no law in place. Okay. There was only two laws, the Poisons Act, but it didn't poison anyone.
1: Mm.
3: So you can't use that. Okay. Um, the other one, i think of it now. <coughs> so, legally, to go to the High Court and say, under Section 21, Paragraph 6 of the Poisons Act, Mrs Skiner was, you know, poisoned contrary to common law. There was nothing to hang it out mm. So it had to be negotiation and campaigning. And if it wasn't for Sir Harold Evans, who was the editor of the Sunday Times, who ran a 12-year campaign to fucking... to, to shame they still as it was at the time shamed them into doing something and they gave 505 to the my victims 10 million pounds between them admittedly that was back in 1973 which 10 million pound then was probably like 100 million now
1: mm-hmm.
3: maybe so and he said, with trust fund money and i don't get any money directly every april if i'm still alive I get now mine's fifty thousand a year because of what I've done and because of force yeah. to get these people who are making fucking billions yeah. Yeah. out of the products that carry on doing it. Get Mr. Guinness it. I said to them, look, let's have a fucking let your next advert for Guinness. You don't need an adverse. It's to tell you every five minutes, fucking big horses going through the sea and, mm. and all that, and fucking pair of black socks with a white fucking lid on. Don't need that. Just say, like, get fucking 401 of us who were alive, all in a fucking field with a fucking, um, what's it, a drone.
1: Mm.
3: And all of us sat in, you know, the ones in wheelchairs and everyone, looking up at the camera. Guinness, pure genius, no longer pure greediness.
1: Mm.
3: And I would fucking, you know, how much did he spend on advertising Guinness?
4: Mm.
3: He wouldn't need to. People would say, "Fucking well done."
4: You said something there. You said some of the survivors are in wheelchairs. Is, is does it affect the, the hands and legs, Gary? Four,
3: for Some people have got no arms and legs. No, no. I'm one ever. of the luckiest ones. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm one of the, the fucking very, very lucky
4: one. So, there's some people up there and they have no arms, I like that. Remember, we met uh, Dr. Austin Carroll. Yes. So,
2: he's a thalidomide survivor, similar to yourself. He's got the short arms. Yeah. Um, but he's, his legs are okay. He's a bit short, but his legs are okay. And he was uh, involved in Paralympics and all this stuff as well, he very athletic. He set, up, <laughs> he set up a GP outreach service for homeless people in Dublin and uh, lived a very active life, still does. You know, he spoke at the same conference we did. But he taught me, he said, that most of the survivors, he said, are, they've either died by suicide or they're a bed-bound and they have no quality of life. He said, I'm very, very lucky.
4: Mm.
2: Uh, would it be that be your experience in England as well?
3: Yeah, but the Southern Ireland victims have been shit on for my great height. Say that again, girl. The, the Southern Ireland victims yeah. have been shit on from a great height, because it wasn't, it wasn't given to like
4: mm.
3: with all due respect to your country, it's small mm. compared to yeah. Great Britain, okay, and so if you imagine, um, Ireland was was supplied by directly by the German government and by the German Drug Company, who literally don't give a flying fuck about one of us, any one of us. They've got a scheme, the Irish victims in, you know, Dublin, Cork, all that, where they have to write to the drug company and say, "Eh, my garden's got a big hill and I can't get up it. I I need a disabled friendly way into my house. And they've got to pay the first five grand of that twelve thousand five hundred. They give them twelve thousand five hundred euros a year. Fucking hell! Yeah. So, but because the British government
4: pushed for it, that
3: well, they 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 described it in all their literature as literature mm-hmm. as a wonder drug.
4: Yeah.
3: So every time I write to the fucking MPs, I say, "You're right. It was a wonder drug." I often look in the winner and think and wonder where me fucking arms went. Yeah. You know, I <laughs> I wonder where the fuck did they go? You know. Yeah. And it would be t- and say like that's what you called it. So you gave it to your GPS, and he didn't test it. I know. And then you gave it a fucking license. Cheers. How can you fuck it? Same thing, scary with COVID. You know, let's hope touch wood. Yeah. That isn't going to happen and come back and bite us on the ass. Mm. But. You can't you know, go giving the public fucking concoctions that's never been tested, yeah mm-hmm. I'm living fucking proof of that I'm living proof that you cannot fucking yeah. think I'm doing that you know? How,
4: how would you uh classify your life? No, you seem like a very very positive man, yeah you know? yeah, and you're blessed to be honest with you that you grew up in the surroundings you did where You were a mother and father, particularly your mother, from what I understand, she was very, very helpful and she pushed you, you know, so you're very lucky. How would you rate your quality of life? I don't know, it's it's probably a tricky question, but because you don't know what it's like to live without the disability, so how would you rate your your quality of
3: life at the moment? I think I'm a very lucky man. Uh... I'm a lucky man on a number of fronts and I'm unlucky on a lot of fronts too. I'm lucky in so much as that, you two lads have got this, you know, here. And no doubt, you go to the pub or wherever, you go for a meal. Oh, I mate, I've listened to your podcast and all that. So you're not just an ordinary Joe anymore.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: People know you, okay. And with me, I stand out because of my physical disability. So that's got me noticed, you know. And I'm of the opinion that if you stand out physically, you should also stand out mentally as well, with a positive mental attitude. I think people expect when you're disabled to be a moping, moaning, miserable bastard. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? God, the world owes me a fucking living. No, people fucking hate me because I genuinely, when I'm coming after it, I fucking come after it. You know, when I tell you I'm going to fucking turn up, I fucking turn up, you know.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And um, so they know. And they can't frighten me. They can't fucking, you know, threaten you with this and threaten you with that. I mean, I've had fucking police turn up at my door wanting to arrest me because I found out what a fucking I court was up to. Mm-hmm. Overriding documents from me, you know, within the social. Fund. And I've gone, like I said, and the couple went to... He, he when the cop was called me he said they uh, you, you said you've threatened direct action. What do you mean by that? I said, I haven't fucking decided yet. I
1: said,
3: Yeah, I might come and shit do they let a box. My pissed letters of box, on my chest on the step. I said, but when I decide, they'll find out next, won't mm. So I went, but I'm scared, I'm we I'm weary of the word direct action. So he said, do you And he fucking walked right his hands away, you know. And he said, I uh, have you got any arms here? I said, Fucking no. <laughs> of course fucking not. And he went, Any guns? And I went, Oh, fuck off of you.
1: <laughs>
3: and he, he went, say, You're not being very helpful. So I said, Well yeah. And the next fucking trick is, have you got any fucking cuffs to fit them? You mm. know, and they're all on body cam and all that. I said, get this in the on the cam. And he went to, you know, fucking, they brought five cops to my house, all because I fucking rumbled them. I know what they're up to. Yeah,
2: know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
3: They don't fucking like it. They don't. Honestly.
2: What's your you know? What's your life like today? Are you gigging? What's your life like today? Are you still doing stand up? Are you doing gigs or talks and shows?
3: <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I, campaigning wise. Um we've we've I don't I can't see us getting anywhere with anything else now. Um we're all sixty two,
1: sixty-three
3: mm. uh we've we've got four hundred and one left now. In the last twelve months we've lost twenty-two.
1: Jeez, what in point
3: uh, so the mortality rate, they would argue, is the same as the populace. I would disagree with that. Um, and the fact that they've got £186 million in the trust Fund and they're drip-feeding us with it. I know. Now, when I die, if I drop dead going out of here tonight, that money dies with me. My girlfriend sat in the hotel waiting for me now. She won't get a fucking penny. My two kids won't get a penny. And that goes for everyone, every till my victim. Is exactly the same yeah you know so
2: they'll never get through that money
3: yeah no we don't even get a penny to bury us i thought long enough i went on you've got like an internal committee of suck holes they have like 12 cherry-picked ones of us like me mm. how the fuck i got voted on i do not know you know but i didn't expect that and then i got all kind of weird and all the same hey You've got to you've got to have a course for you to go on about how you how you address people and I went, fuck off. What well, I mean? And they went, see? I went, fuck off. You and it needs fucking saying it gets said. Yeah. Yeah, but there's ladies in the room and all that, I don't give a fuck. You know, we're having an in house meeting about something that I'm fucking really passionate about. Yeah.
4: And and something yeah. that you have lived experience as well around? Which is very important. Uh, sometimes the people like that
2: they don't they, they don't like the directness of working class people <coughs> and the language we use. Don't they like to dance around, beat around the bush and be very nice, but when we just speak directly, it's sort intimidating from, you know.
3: But yeah, yeah you're right, but these people, for some reason or other, um, I can't get it through to them that how badly they've been damaged.
1: Mm.
3: And you imagine a lot of them, a lot of these kids, well, you know, yeah. 62, 63 now, they they're getting 40, 50k a year. They don't want to rock that boat.
4: Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. They're scared to rock that boat. And there are little whispers about, well, you know.
2: Mm.
3: No. It'd be the biggest own goal they ever scored. Mm. <laughs> to take fucking money off people they've been getting for 62 fucking years.
2: Yeah. And are you still doing comedy outside of the activism?
3: <laughs> Loads. Yeah. It's uh, certainly took the knock since... Um, COVID. It's took the knock since oh, COVID, yeah.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, but it's getting that busy this year and so what, well, because... Yeah. Football, cricket, snooker, rugby, fucking golf. Mm. Everyone's got to put charity shows on today's money for the teams to keep going. Yeah. So there will be more work, and because we've all been unable to have them vacation for two and a half, three years, mm. then it should become more. Pleasant. And is that? Do
4: you is it, are you very passionate about the gig? And is
3: this something that you really enjoy and you love doing? Yeah. No, it was just thinking there while we were talking. The, the Oasis brothers.
2: Yeah, Liam.
3: They They were massive, you know, they'd done me a massive favour. Indirectly, without even fucking knowing they'd done me the favour, you know. Because Mike Summerby, that used to play for Man City. Yeah. He was in Escape to Victory with Pelly, you know, the film.
2: Yeah.
3: And Summerby's two biggest uh, clients are Noel and Liam Gallagher. So when we pulled the con off with Diageo, he got Liam Gallagher to ring me. Liam Gallagher said, you know, what do you want, Link? So I went, I said, look, I need, I am want I'm to raise a boycott. Fuck off, we can't fucking do that, he said. "Our oh, man will chop our fucking bollocks off. So I said, well, would you blag it? He went, fucking blag anyone, yeah? He said, but if it gets heavy, we're fucking out. I said, okay, I understand, yeah. <laughs> so, next thing is, um, I've rang the audio, spoke to the chairman, and I sent him all the statements from Prince Nazim Ahmed, Paul Lince, Jamie Redner, Michael Owen, all them. Please don't buy these products, you know. And um he rang me back and he said, you, know, you might have these would-be all-stars in your back pocket. He said, but we also have friends in high places. So in other words, they don't scare me. So I said, but these fucking two must know the name Gallagher. Mm. <laughs> so
2: so we were you in, <laughs> we in communication with somebody from Diageo at this time? Were you communicating with somebody from Diageo at this time? The German... The chairman? Yeah. Okay.
3: And he turned and he said, where did they come to me? So I said, well, you might have noticed that the Glazer family have just recently taken over at Manchester United. And I said, and these two are very big Manchester City fans and are passionate about their football club. And their football club isn't doing very well at the moment. I said, now, it could be that Nolan Liam, who are billionaire rock stars, might fancy throwing a few quid at their new, you know, mm. incest.
1: Yeah.
3: And that's why we're calling a press conference on Friday night at the City City Stadium. Main road. Yeah. Oh, uh, so where does this affect us? I said, well... But when we go live, I said, you, you're very privileged. You're the only one I'm telling about this press conference. I said, because when the cameras are all turned up, Fox, CBS, BBC, ITV, Sky, and the cameras are all rolling live, and Nolan Liam Gallagher has sat there and the by telethamide victims, and they all think to, in the media, what the fuck are all these kids doing here? All these little man kids. <laughs> and when do you think it's going to be announcing a takeover of Man City? And they say live, it's not about to take over. It's about launching a boycott until these people are properly compensated. And he went, you bastard. I said, now you've got the script. I said, so it's 148 million. I don't care how you do it, you're going to fucking do it. And he went, we can't do a figure like that all at once. We'll have to have an extra uh, special meeting. I said, I don't care how you do it, fucking ring me and let me know. The press conference goes ahead at half past five Friday night. And he said, why half past five Friday night? I said, because half past five... Friday night here is half past twelve in the States. So you can you imagine how big a viewing audience
1: mm.
3: will be watching? And you know what they're like in the States going live. <laughs> okay, he said I'll call you back. That was at four o'clock in the afternoon. you rang back at fucking half eleven and night. Them fellas don't work them fucking hours. Mm. You've got your hundred and forty eight million. But well, we're doing the stage stage, stage payments. As I, as I said to you before, I don't give a fuck how you do it. You're going to fucking do it.
2: That's how the money came. Uh,
3: yeah. So that was how we got that one. Uh, and they signed a, a deal now for life. So that money comes in every year at 14 million a year now. And they've extended it. So we're getting even more than that now.
4: So, almost you get 50,000 a year. I do. Yeah. Yeah. But that's just to help you to, to survive and to get by. Wow. Yeah. Do you know what?
3: I'm lucky I've, I'm have i a lawyer by day.
4: Yeah. yeah. Are you still working as a lawyer? Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, I've got my day job, my comedy job. I mean, to let money.
4: Can I yeah. tell you something?
3: Yeah.
4: People without disabilities. Wouldn't have three jobs. I know. Yeah. You know, I know. like, I—it's I, very obvious that you have a disability, physical disability, from, from our time <laughs> with you. You know, and like to be working three jobs. Mm. You know, and to doing and being an advocate as well for for people who who have this, the same disability for you and yourself. That's yeah, and some, after, an inspiration and to you live, and live life. Do you give yourself right? credit? Do you give yourself any credit for what you do oh, yeah. and, and for, for what you've done for every, everybody else? Do you know the reason I'm not saying thalidomide is because I probably can't pronounce it. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's why I'm not saying it.
3: That's got to be the best Irish show, <laughs> The reason why I'm not saying to is is because I can't fucking
4: <laughs> <book it down. laughs> But um, fair play to you.
3: I, I, uh, I just want
4: to credit you for that. We and... did
3: t- after that. Me and Nicky Tomlinson done the government in then for twenty six point four million. Because we wanted them to do what the agile had done. So hang on a minute. There's there's three culprits in this, like right? there's the manufacturer, mm. the Germans. There's the distributor, the government. right? it, it the Agio, the Agile, distillers. And there's also the fucking uh the bastards that gave it a licence and didn't test it.
1: Uh, yeah.
3: So at the time, the end of the last Labour government, Mike O'Brien QC MP was the old secretary. So Ricky Tomlinson said to me, "Nice, right, where's he? Where's his constituents? Yes, he lives in. He's in Leicester South." So we said, "Okay, you go down the House of Commons, but aims to meet him and you fucking tell him." That if they don't mid an image what the you have done, me and you will come and stand against him in his back garden on the lead up to a general election and we'll call ourselves the no arms, no legs, my ass party. You know, because it's on the royal family he says my arse. Uh, uh. And I went down to London fucking grabbed him. And he went, get your fucking hands off me. That big room where you see the reporters fucking stopping people. And And I said to him, Listen, mate, I've had fucking 50 odd years of someone else wiping my ass. Mm. And it's not another fucking day goes by where it's going to happen. And I'm not going to get compensated properly by you, not you directly, but this government who fucking actually gave it a license without testing it. (laughs) We're listening and we're doing all we can. I said, well, fucking listen a little bit louder, right? I? I said, because I won't give up. I'll be on your doorstep, and I'll be coming with Ricky, and I'll be coming with a fucking gang of others. I'll take you down, mate, you know. Anyway, that was in the November. Fucked off to Florida in January. You know, the lads fucking on the air of fucking night in the helps in the vale. We'd only just got to fucking bed. Two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. Fucking phones going like fucking mad. Who the fuck's... The, who's birds this thing and he, who give the fucking number out, you know? And then Tim Yutton got up and answered the phone. Who? Radio 5 Live. Uh, Radio 2. Uh, BBC Radio News, said. What? Can we speak to Gary? He's in the fucking coma. He's in the next room. What is it? The Comans have just agreed to pay £26.4 Nice Next one. Uh, and, I fucking made up, so...
2: Was that in the lump sum or is that... Staggered.
3: Well, they wanted to get away with that. And then we said, no, well done. Well done. It's a fucking start. Okay. Now that 26.4 will make up for the one year you haven't paid. We do this every year now.
4: Every year they give it?
3: Yeah. 26? No, they give us 26. So I said, okay, we'll let you off for the other years. Yeah. Reluctantly, because we can't go backwards. Yeah. But what we will do, we'll take that 26.4 and say... Thank you very much. Yeah. But from now on, <coughs> the actual will pay us 40 and you pay us 12.6. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so out of, out of that, I get another 30k. Jesus. Yeah. Fuck. And everyone else gets that. Yeah. yeah. Now that's because y- you've got to see a route from A to B. Yeah. And we, look, I don't like doing this. I don't like doing this to people, but they don't mind I'm behind Mm. draconian laws Mm. that says that I can't get at them legally. But you know what?
4: If people like you don't start doing what you're after doing to the governments and the agile, they'll just keep getting away with it then. They'll just yeah. keep doing the same stuff to people because they know people won't stand up. And if it's after taking somebody, I know somebody like yourself with your own disability, to they, they take a stand against these corporations and governments, you know, you're putting the rest of us to shame, to be honest with you. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. You know what I mean? They're,
3: they're, on, they're making billions.
4: Yeah,
3: I know. Fucking billions. So... So, but it had to be done.
2: Yeah. But it takes a lot of determination as well. And you, like, when Timmy was talking a while ago, do you know, like you've had the challenges in your life but you've lived amazing life as well, do you know, with stories with you know, the Oasis and Bill Shankly and all these people, do you know, you've lived, a, you you and you still live a great life, do you know, but it's a,
4: Paul just showed up there that you have a pilot's
2: license as have well, that, to drive a plane.
4: Flying a
3: plane, yeah. Go
2: with <laughs> uh, Quickly, tell us a little yeah. bit. Of, have you I got a plane? Sent
3: them the footage. Yeah. Just think you. we we'll send you the footage and Put so <laughs> what can't. Yeah, yeah. What can't speak can't lie. Yeah. So you know what I mean. Just put the footage in. You have got all the footage there. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. It's um, I'm, I'm very proud of what I've done. You know what I mean. Yeah. Very, very proud of yeah. what I've done, and and uh, keep doing it.
4: Yeah. So you should be. So you should be. <laughs> do, you
2: know people, do you know if people want to book you for a show or a gig or an event to have coming up? How do they do it?
3: Well, I think that my best tool in my army is the motivational side of things. Right? Mm-hmm. Where you get no oh, disrespect to the people I'm going to mention now. Yeah. So then I'll who climbs a fucking mountain. You know, Kelly Holmes who runs around the block quicker than me and you. Mm. Uh, Dame Kelly Holmes, you know. Yeah, uh, and they're all on ten thousand a gig. Um, and they've all been born privileged, gifted. Yeah. You know, so they come to the school or they come to the college and they say, eh, "Well, I've went Dame now and I've fucking done this and the other." Eh, well, very commendable, great.
1: Mm.
3: But yeah, have a listen to this fella. He's nowhere near as dear as them. He's come through it. You know, from the very beginning. He's seen the pitfalls, he's seen how big Beach's brook is. And he's brought a step ladder and got over it. Yeah. He didn't jump it, but he got over it. He found a way of getting over it. And if he can do things, what can you do? Mm. You can't sit front, you can't sit in front of me as a pupil or a student and say, I can't do that, because i will say to you, well you're a fucking failure. Mm. If you think that's difficult, have a look at me. Have a look at what I've done, and all it is is getting your head down mentally a route for me to be. Mm. And it doesn't have to be a straight road. Yeah. it might be as crooked as hell, but we've got to get to be. Yeah, and there's no option. We've got to get to be. How we get there, that's another matter.
2: Are you on social media? Yeah. Fe- Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram? Yeah. Okay, we link your uh, social media in the description, so if people want to say hi <coughs> or uh, book you for an event, they can um, Absolutely. Thanks for your time, it's lovely speaking to yeah?
4: you.
3: Yeah. Likewise, lads, and um, yeah, lo- you live in a lovely place, by the way. Thank
2: you. Yeah, yeah.
3: You do, and I love the non-uniformity, of the housing. Yeah.
2: You
3: know, the houses are beautiful, it's a bit like Germany. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's clean, it's like, and... Yeah. Uh, you live in a privileged place apparently yeah. you only have to wait an hour for the fucking ambulance here. Yeah.
2: <laughs> the hoses here might be nice, but we don't have enough of them. But the hose and crisis is another podcast. Yeah, they, but if we're ever coming to Liverpool, we give you a shout. Right. You please do, we will, yeah, we will, yeah. Do. yeah. It's right. been a pleasure, yeah.
3: And to everyone out there listening, um, uh, thanks very much for letting me into your living room. I'm a scouser, so yeah, yeah. check everything's there when I've gone. <laughs>
4: Been a pleasure, Gary. And thank you so much yeah. for coming pleasure. here and joining us. And um we wish you all the best going forward.
3: Thank you. And can I just reassure people, when I get excited and I'm not on live telly, I swear to a lot a lot. <laughs> but when I come to your venue, you won't get one swear word honest. <laughs> uh, I put it together, it's a really Shamford good show. Uh, and it just shows people how I've ever whatever team. Yeah. So don't let me language put you off, and I apologise to any elderly people out there who've had the heart to turn back and be listening. Cheers! <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank
2: everybody, God bless.
0: Hold up! What was that?